meditation is more precious than gold. Mother Nature, you know, we have to take care of her. She's agitated. And I truly feel like they have the ability to heal the planet. Yes, Joni Camlet, I am so excited that you are here, right here, right now. Joni and I go way back, like literally way back. We go back to the days where we were in ballet class together yep. at Burnt Mills Elementary School. Yep. And we, there's, a, that. <laughs> we go, we, there's a picture of us in our leotards and tights and ballet slippers yeah. sitting with a line of other little girls, I think, all girls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now here we are initiating you, Joni, into Facebook Live. What do you know? <laughs> I still have that picture framed in my living room. <laughs> Fantastic. So within the context of your journey through health and wellness, yeah. we started out running around this neighborhood, bicycling around this neighborhood yeah. in Silver Spring, Maryland, White Oak to be exact, that we found out recently was a, a, a piece of land that was occupied by slaves. Yeah. And as we move through that slave mentality, I want you to introduce yourself. And as you introduce yourself, starting perhaps from those days, those days of carefree running around, catching bees in jars yeah. and fireflies. And you know, we're gonna move through in the next half hour from those days until right here right now so how do you want to introduce yourself well first of all it's just so wonderful to be with you here Alyssa. and you know we were like such close friends way back then you know and then we both went on our separate paths through college and through adulthood and to be reconnecting at this you know at this time of our lives uh it's like we we took divergent paths and now they're coming they're they're kind of coming back together and we have so many commonalities in our interests and beliefs and you know when you're talking about you know burnt mills and growing up there it was such an idyllic place to grow up you know i remember we had this kind of uh seemed like a perfect little neighborhood surrounded by woods with the reservoir and being able to like walk a few blocks and end up like literally, you know, immersed in, in nature was amazing. And I don't know if you know that uh, the, the show, The Wonder Years was created. Uh, the, uh, the person that made that show came out years ago, lived in our neighborhood. So he kind of wrote about his experiences in that neighborhood. So I always found that interesting, but uh, yeah. And of course, it all looks good on the outside. And, you know, we all go through our challenges growing up and our life experiences that, you know, we're destined to go through. Uh, I believe they make us stronger. And yeah, I, uh, you know, I've just kind of taken a number of different, I, I tell people I've had so many different incarnations in this lifetime, gone in so many different directions. Um, so, so, so I guess, I guess the reason I'm so excited 
for you to be here is that we started out together running in the woods yes. because even though we lived in what was then really a suburb, it's still a suburb, but it's more close to Washington, D.C. Sure. because yeah. it's more densely populated now. But 55 years ago, 58 years ago, 57 years ago, we were running in the woods behind yeah. our neighborhood with yeah. my dog, Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah. The basset hound, and we were we were digging out lilies from the woods to bring home for, for our parents. And I was getting poison ivy. I don't know if you ever did, no. but we were connecting with yeah. nature. We played. We ran around the neighborhood. We played touch the mat. We we played hide and seek behind the trees. We yep. we were with nature, and then. Our parents were not there. We were young. Right. right. And we were free. Yeah. Yep. And then you, we were chatting briefly yesterday. We went to school. Yeah. And how did you describe to me what, what happened then? Yeah, I think, um, I think when I, uh, I, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I had a very, very hard time uh, in school, in class the best way I can describe it is it always felt like my skin was just being peeled off when I was like in the classroom. I hated, I always had to sit in the back of the class. If people were sitting too close to me, I felt uncomfortable. I was bothered by the fluorescent lights. I spent most of my time just trying to, just trying to stay in my seat. And I realized, you know, in retrospect, I think I was just, you know, like many people, a highly sensitive person, highly sensitive child. I, didn't know, like I used to, when I was young, I would see, I would see colors and I would um, like, even now I, I, like if I shut my eyes, I see colors and mandalas and, you know, I just thought everybody did. I, you know, I had no reference point and I would kind of have a, I know what people were thinking, you know, and, and again, nobody, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I just thought that's, that was normal, but what that caused was for me to be affected by everything around me and basically on a constant basis just reacting to my environment and consequently i i didn't like being in school it was very challenging for me even you mentioned the ballet you know all the little girls took ballet at that time and the leotards like putting on those nylon leotards you know, at this point, like I can't wear anything that's not like a natural organic fiber. I learned that later in life. But back then, I just, I was, it was torture putting on that outfit. Didn't matter if I liked the dance or not. I never got to that point because I was so affected by that experience. So this is so interesting to me because I also would have been characterized with the current diagnosis of this highly sensitive person or perhaps ADHD, I could never sit in the chair, I had to move around. And I was a late in life child for my parents. So, you know, they were both married and divorced before they married each other and had me. So two parents with one child, they didn't think anything of it. They just kind of rolled with me. Mm -hmm. So now we understand that, you know, Perhaps it was because I was a late in life child. Perhaps it was because of something 
your mother or father did that you were a highly sensitive person, perhaps it had something to do with the environment. And now we fast forward to 2021 and the world is a different place. Yes. We grew up in a neighborhood, and I don't know if you knew this, where Rachel Carson lived very close to there. In the years that we were growing up, she lived in, uh, right now I'm not recalling the name of the neighborhood. It was right where Springbrook, where the high school is that we went to, right near there. But it was probably because of Rachel Carson that our neighborhoods were not sprayed with DDT because she had a local organization going, you know, a community organization. So now here we are, we've come through our much of our adult lifetimes at this point, we've both been through some experiences that we may not have chosen at the time, but we understand that we are who we are because of those experiences. So so what are some of the experiences that you learned from, you know, that you now in retrospect understand that you may Um, have? Well, I was just going to say in retrospect, you may now recognize that you came through these or you experience these things to try to numb yourself yeah. from your sensitivities because it wasn't acknowledged. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I can now look back on my life. I mean, you know, I turned 60 this year and I can look back on my life and recognize that every experience I went through was either an attempt to kind of numb myself or, or deal with this kind of extracurricular activity that was going on, you know, this extra energy that I was being bombarded with, or just, you know, just trying to just trying to get through life. Like I said, I didn't do I mean, it's not like I I was a a terrible student, you know, I made it through, but uh, it was just it was very challenging. And I ended up I, I actually didn't know that college wasn't mandatory. I came from a family where education was was very, very highly, highly valued. And I always knew that I was going to graduate high school and go to college. It wasn't like there was really a choice. And I, you know, went to college and I was in my first year of college and somebody next to me mentioned that they were on their way to the registrar's office to drop out. And I'm like, you can do that? You're kidding. I had no idea. And uh, that was down uh, at the University of Miami. And I actually went and I, uh, I withdrew. And it wasn't, understandably, my, my parents were not happy about it. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just had this strong feeling like I just couldn't bear being in the classroom any longer. And so what I did do is I became a bartender. I went to Bartenders Academy in Washington, D.C., and I, uh, I became a bartender and got into the bar business for, uh, gosh, about 12 years and being a bartender in DC in the eighties. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I made a lot of money, but there was a lot, a lot of drugs, uh, mainly cocaine. And I loved it because when I, when I used cocaine, suddenly I had incredible confidence. I, you know, I was bulletproof. Um, you didn't have an appetite. So, you know, I, uh, you know, my, my exterior, you know, became, uh, became attractive to the day because I was, you know, a skinny little, you know, I had this, I had the look that was, you know, back then people wanted. And I, you know, drank 
a lot. Luckily, there was, you know, there's no alcoholism in my family. So I really, I never became an alcoholic. I was able to walk away from alcohol, uh, but cocaine was my thing. And I got heavily, heavily involved with doing coke. Snorting, I, yeah. So I was just going to say, this is really interesting to me because it is an epidemic now. Right now, people are numbing themselves at rates that have never been seen before because, in my view, they don't want to see themselves and their own gifts. Yeah. And so it was a gift to you that you came through this. Yeah. You have a perspective on it now. And what types of things did you do? that were more natural to bring yourself into harmony and into balance? Well, interestingly, all the natural stuff, it came on spontaneously. I mean, everything came on spontaneously. I guess, you know, in a nutshell, I, you know, after so long being a bartender and in that life, I realized as I got into my 30s that if I continued this way, I was going to, you know, I was going to kill myself, you know, um, and my health or, you know, my health was already starting to suffer. And I had always been interested in during the day, I would actually still go to the gym and exercise and stuff like that. And then I'd bartend at night. So I decided to become a massage therapist. Thought, what, what, okay, what am I going to do if I'm not bartending? So I decided to become a massage therapist, thinking I would do sports massage. And the first time I put my hands on somebody in massage class to do like the, you know, practice massage, like my whole world changed. And all that, you know, the, the seeing the colors, the feeling energy, all that stuff that I'd kind of like pushed by the wayside and had been keeping a lid on with the drinking and with, the, you know, with the nightlife and all that, it all came streaming back. And people that I worked on were having experiences of healing, which completely freaked me out because I had nothing, I had no context. It wasn't like I, I never searched for any of this. I never searched for, even for a natural health path or a connection with spirit or anything. All of my, my path since that first time in massage school has been because I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I actually, things accelerated so rapidly and the experiences, the mystical experiences I was having became so much more intense because it was like I suddenly opened a door that I had been trying to keep closed for a really long time. And I thought I was going crazy. I actually committed myself. I put myself, I had Kaiser and I, you know, called them. I said, I'm going crazy. I'm, you know, and they allowed me uh, a week uh, to stay and sent me home with Ativan. And, you know, and that was it. I was on my own. And luckily, you know, what they say is when the student is ready, the teacher comes. And that's exactly what happened people came into my life that pointed me in the direction of, you know, yoga and meditation, books on Native American healing techniques. So I learned how to burn sage and things like that. And, you know, was just led in different directions. And uh, meanwhile, my massage business was blowing up. It was just, I had a very large clientele as word got around, because for whatever reason, you know, I didn't understand it at the time. People were having these healing experiences. And I went, I even went down a path, like I, the ego got involved because I thought it was something that I was doing because I didn't know. 
and you know, I, I understand now that I just, I guess you would call it my, my channel was, was very open and it was my first experience of that connection with, with God or spirit, whatever you want to call it. And it was very intense. So I want to pause you here for a second and acknowledge the openness and brilliance of you, not only in this moment, but to have the courage to check yourself in and then come out and then have this realization, well, wait a minute, I have a gift. And I want to just imagine for a moment with you in your presence, Joni, in the presence of your brilliance, imagine with me and with the viewers, thank you for being here live. If you have any questions for Joni, please pop them in. Stan says, this is very interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. So this is often the <laughs> effect. <laughs> this is often the effect that I have on people. They're speechless. Okay. But I'm encouraging whoever is watching to question away. And I want to take a moment with the couple of people that are watching. We have four of us here together <laughs> in the field of energy in the field of color, in the field of light. Let's imagine together for a moment, a world in which everybody who is addicted to cocaine and which everybody is addicted to their drinking alcohol, to whatever they're addicted to. And it may be plant medicine. It may not be the spiritual plant medicine, it may be an addiction to plant medicine. Let's let that for a moment dissipate and let's appreciate our humanity, our hu-womenhood, our hu-they-themhood and imagine an addiction rather to the spirituality, to the source who we actually are and our connection to nature, to the running around that Joni and I did from a very early age, 57 maybe plus years ago. Let's all have a moment to come back to our own childhood, babyhood, in the wombhood. Let's come back again because we are here now in these moments of opportunity. And so I just want to acknowledge you for this new experience, Joni, being on live on Facebook for the first time ever <laughs> and encourage those who are watching live or those who are watching the replay to think about the courage of Joni and then think about what you can and are sharing with the world. So I want to fast forward us because we just have about 10 minutes now. Oh okay, yeah. So what it is that you are doing now in the world, Yeah. that you are sharing the abundance in the world of natural remedies. Yeah. And, and I'm going to ask you to stretch for a moment into the idea because I see in you a full expression that is not yet quite manifested. So I know you've got a dream in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And before we close here, I wanna hear about that dream in Virginia. So I'm gonna turn it back to you now. 
Yeah, sure. Well, gosh, to fast forward, you know, just in a nutshell, I moved to an ashram to, you know, uh, my path led me to an ashram to try to figure out what was going on with me in Virginia. Uh, while I was there, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and turned down Western medicine. I had surgery to remove my right ovary, but then said no to everything else. And it launched me on my path of natural medicine because I needed to figure out what I, what I was going to do for myself next. And that was back in 1996. So I'm still here today. Never did anything Western related to the ovarian cancer, except for the natural medicine. On that path, I, I found my spiritual teacher. Her name is Ama. Many people know her as the hugging saint. And I have dedicated my life to service at this point. Uh, moved to India for a while, traveled with Ama for as part of her tour staff for a long time. Well, and I, I still would if not for the pandemic, but got involved. My interest in natural health got me involved in, I became a veterinary nurse, integrative veterinary nurse, then ended up working for a supplement company, teaching veterinarians about nutrition and herbs. And from there, uh, I am now working in a, a new company. Before, before we get to the new company, we're going to yeah. save that for a couple minutes. Okay. Stan is asking, what is an ashram? <laughs> an ashram is a kind of a spiritual community. It's where people uh, kind of come together, the uh, like-minded people to uh, like do meditation, yoga. The particular ashram I lived at was in Virginia. Um, and they had like yoga teacher trainings. The first ashram I went to was called Sachidananda Ashram. And the basis is integral yoga. And uh, Swami Sachidananda was actually the, the guru that opened Woodstock way back. If you ever watched the movie and you saw, and then he created a community in uh, rural Virginia. So that's where I kind of went to when I was first trying to figure out what was going on with me. And I went there for a weekend retreat and actually stayed there for a number of years because it was the, it was the place that I finally felt like all the noise and all that intensity of incoming settled down. And so this is, this is, I'm going to pause you again. Yeah. This is an important moment. This was an important moment for you. Yeah. And I'm going to bring us into this moment because this is now the moment for all of us. We've all been quieted down over the past year. And this week, actually, in the Jewish Torah, there's a Parsha, which is a reading. All Jews around the world read from the Torah at the same place each week. And it's called Devarim. And it means word. The idea is the Jews were in the desert for 40 years wandering in the desert. You know, they left Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were, it, it, the, the Devarim is a recapitulation. It's the fifth book of Moses, known also as Deuteronomy. And the Jews hadn't been listening to God. You might call God's spirit themselves. They weren't honoring themselves. They weren't taking care of themselves. They were complaining. They sent some spies into the promised land, when the spies came back, they were full of dissonance themselves. They were angry. They were in the slave mentality in the desert, and they didn't even want to go into the promised land. They wanted to go back to Egypt because in Egypt, they were given food. They were given shelter. They had a schedule. All they had in the desert was mana. And I'm seeing parallels to this 
And I want to encourage you, Joni, to own your gifts even more. And I am saying this publicly on Facebook with at least one person watching <laughs> and listening carefully, because what is happening right now is we are being asked to maximize the offerings of what we were chosen to be here in these moments, in this body form. And so now I'm gonna be quiet for the next few minutes. And I, we wanna hear about what it is that you're doing but yeah. right now, but also do you, can you vision the possibility of this world right here, right now, changing its ideas, changing its consciousness so that we become an ashram, all of us. Yeah. How do you see that as a possibility? Not as an isolated place where you have to go, but how do you be that? So you're in the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. What is your inner ashram? What are your behaviors during the course of the day? Offer us one or two things, one or two tips or tools that mm -hmm. we might use yeah. to have our own inner ashram. Even yeah. if we work a job nine to five in front of a computer. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll address your, your last question because I think it's really, really valuable and important. Meditation has been the most valuable thing of my life. And, you know, I, I, every morning I wake up, I, you know, I get out of bed, I use the bathroom and then I sit to meditate and before I do anything else and having a place in your home that's dedicated to that, you know, having some sort of ritual around it is really important. And even if you can only do it for five minutes, it's better than nothing. My teacher Amma says that meditation is more precious than gold. And I truly believe it. And it's saved me uh, so many times. So, you know, every morning I meditate and then I, I pray um, and I never pray for myself. I pray for others. And I have a long list. It takes me, pro it takes me <laughs> close to 10 minutes. Probably I've memorized. I never take anyone off my prayer list. I just add them. And so I visualize people and I, I don't pray for anything other than that they receive what is for their highest good, because I don't know that my ego would be the one that would be explaining that, you know, if I, if I prayed for something special for them. And then I actually have another, I have another altar and I, it's my work altar and, um, I work for a company and I, I do RT, which is I wave an oil lamp and I say a prayer and I don't pray to sell a lot of products. What I pray for is that I fulfill my Dharma and that I reach the people that I'm supposed to serve because truly service is the most important thing in this lifetime. If every one of us can wake up, it doesn't matter if we're a doctor or a garbage man, or we work in a, you know, uh, if we're a cashier at the Rite Aid, it, it really doesn't matter what our service is because we have the opportunity to affect others in a positive way. And so if we recognize that love and service are what we're here for, that that's what we, that, that's what we're here for, particularly during this time. And so going back to my altar, I just, I basically, I, I pray to have the humility. I pray to be able to fulfill my Dharma, which means, you know, that which I'm was born to do in this lifetime. And then I also pray to be able to, uh, for non-attachment that if, 
if this path I'm on is not my dharma, I pray that I am able to let it go so that I'm truly not attached to the outcome of my actions. And the more I do that, the bigger my life seems to be getting and the more joy I have in my life. So we have another question on yeah. Facebook. What is dharma? Yeah, the way I refer to dharma is that we're all kind of I mean, I believe in reincarnation. Uh, I, you know, I, I follow a, a Hindu path and each of us is born with a role to play in this lifetime. And, uh, you know, that which we're here, that service which we're here to fulfill. And I, you know, I'm sure there's a better dictionary definition of it, but that can be referred to as your dharma. My understanding from the Judaic perspective is the Ruach HaKodesh, the soul, continues to exist, whether you're here in the physical body or not. And so for those of us that, were, that are Jewish, but we may not have been raised that way, but as an adult, I've gone back and I'm noticing in all spiritual traditions, there are similar beliefs called by different names. So this is such a beautiful offering and understanding that you've given us. We still have the question that somebody's interested in, oh, now there's questions coming in like crazy. <laughs> The questions are, one is they want to hear about your new business. Another is, what is your current business? What is RT? And thanks oh, for the tips, yeah. do you practice Hinduism? Yeah, so uh, first of all, uh, RT or anybody who understands all of this better than me, I apologize if I um, am explaining it incorrectly at all. Please, please forgive me for any, any mistakes I uh, in explaining this, but the way I understand RIT, it's like you're you're uh, showing reverence for your teacher or for something, and you you know sometimes you light an oil lamp, lamp and you you say a prayer, and it's like it's it's basically an offering. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. As far as my business, so I work for a company called Aduco. It's a supplement company, and uh, I would say the thing that I'm most excited about is that I've gotten involved in product development for uh, our very own supplement line called Third Planet, which is a line, you'll see my mushroom, it's a line of mushroom-powered products. And I knew nothing about mushrooms. I'd been in the supplement industry for you know over a decade, but didn't do much with mushrooms. But as I got involved in the product development for this company, and you can find it, it's www.thirdplanetlife.com, the free RD Planet Life. As I got more and more involved in learning about mushrooms and interacting and also taking the supplements myself, I've pretty much become obsessed with mushrooms. And I truly feel like they have the ability to heal the planet. I feel like the mushrooms, particularly during these times, are going to help us become that ashram that you were describing, you know, Alyssa. And mushrooms can uh, support our health, uh, immune support, you know, they support, you know, with uh, support for COVID, support for immune, but also, um, you know, medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane can support neurologic issues, depression. But to go even further, I've become very interested in psilocybin and uh, what they call the magic mushrooms and their ability to help people with PTSD, depression, uh, anxiety, all kinds of, you know, there's there's so much data coming out about mushrooms, these types of mushrooms and their ability to help people where they have not been, out, been able to be helped by, by anything else. And so, yeah. So you've, you you've brought us full circle yeah. from running in the woods when we were yep. practically babies 
to the understanding that connecting with nature Mm -hmm. and, and interacting in ways that we may never have dreamed of or that we may have dreamed of as children, but it's been suppressed. And now the knowingness, and I'm here to say, my understanding is it's not just mushrooms, but it's all of the plant kingdom. Absolutely. All of the animal kingdom, all of the sentient world. We have come through a portal over this past year and we have the opportunity right here, right now to reconnect with ourselves through our environment. Joni, it has been such a pleasure to have you on this podcast, Journey Through Health and Wellness. It will appear on anchor.fm. It will appear on Spotify. It will appear through the website, Reimagine Turtle Creek, uh, which is Reimagine. The acronym is tcwac.org because we all share the same water. We all share the same air. And we all share this opportunity to create the more beautiful world that we all know is possible. So thank you again. Is there any you know, closing comment that you would like to make? Um, no, I just appreciate that, you know, like I so appreciate that we've reconnected, Alyssa, and I love seeing the path that you're on and uh, how you are serving people in such a beautiful way. And I completely agree. Um, and I'll just end by saying the mushrooms have led me back to the natural world. Um, I agree with you a thousand percent. Mother Nature, you know, we have to take care of her. She's agitated. We need to pay attention. And so that's like the number, you know, service, love, and taking care of our mother, our planet. Yes. And so here's the blooper ending. I didn't press record. And so the only (laughs) recording we're going to have is what's live on Facebook. So... <laughs> I love it. Hey, sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. To, I, I, I know. I'm we'll sure see how it goes. And uh, there's going to be a part two for sure. <laughs> okay. Take care. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye bye.